welcome to another episode of Café con Carlos, or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. It's been a few months since I released an episode, and I apologize for that. It's been kind of a hectic end of 2022 and beginning of 23. I'm excited to share this episode with you that I recorded a few months back with Elizabeth Hamilton, our Vice President of Quality and Research. So let's get right to it. Welcome, Elizabeth. How are you? I am well. As you heard from my podcasts in the past, you know, I always start with the same question, which is how do you take your coffee? Oh my gosh. And how did I not? I do remember you asking that to previous guests and I did not prepare for that one. I'm actually not a big coffee drinker, Carlos. I'm not do you a drink big caffeine. Um, so I always get this mess mixed up. So zero products technically still have caffeine in them. Is it zero sugar, but still caffeine? Yeah. Like, like Pepsi zero and Coke zero and all that stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think they just don't have sugar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I do, I indulge in coffee from time to time, but I'm not a big drinker to like, I'm not like a super coffee crazy person. But if I were to have some coffee, I would probably do a little bit of cream and um, definitely add sugar. I lived in Miami for a very, very long time. That's my hometown. And um, I actually used to really like the coladas, I think is what they're called. And what's a colada? That is essentially like an espresso shot. <laughs> oh, okay. I, um, I didn't know that. Is it a Cuban thing, I guess? Because It's Cubans... very much a Cuban thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Why you got to say it's Cuban, Carlos? Because it's Miami. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, listen, <laughs> trust me, listen, as a Latino, actually, Felix and I talked about this a lot in our, in our podcast. Like, it's interesting how there's pockets all over, the, right? Like in LA, that's it's, yes. it's uh, predominantly Mexican. Yes. In New York, it's predominantly Puerto Rican. Puerto Here Rican. in the DC area <laughs> is uh, mostly Salvadorian. And of mm -hmm. course, Florida, South Florida especially is is Cuban. Yes, um, it's so. true. It's true. I'm just pulling your legs, but it, it no, is actually, it's definitely true. Um, so yeah. coladas are basically an espresso shot. E exactly. Essentially. Okay. So you're a new mom. It's still relatively new, right? Your son is how old? My son is two and a half. And you don't need any caffeine in the morning when he wakes you up <laughs> with the butt crack of dawn? So actually, I'm a morning person, believe it or not. Well, that's probably believable. <laughs> I, no, I do believe that very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a morning person. And so, and so is he, which is great because... My husband's not a morning person, <laughs> so it's <laughs> so it's nice that there are two of us against one. Um, and so whenever he gets me up early in the mornings, I'm I usually handle it pretty well. Are you okay? So are you one of those? If you're a morning person, are you generally in bed at like nine p.m. type of people? Oh my gosh! Yes. Yes, I yes, I'm a I'm an early riser, but and what what is it? Early to bed? I guess early to bed, early, early to, to bed, rise. Early to rise. Yeah, I yeah, think that's right. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's actually really funny. <laughs> that's yeah. Um, my partner makes fun of me because he says like 
I promise I think you have narcolepsy because one moment we're binging on Netflix and the next, like, just like that, we're having a conversation and you're just out. As soon as nine o'clock hits, you're just gone. Um, it's, on the it's, dot. Nine o'clock. <laughs> so it's, it's really hilarious. I mean, from time to time, if I'm really excited about something, I'll try to stay up late to binge watch on some things. But um, yeah, I go to bed really early. Sure. As much as I want to, I want to be that person, but <laughs> I just can't like, I don't know. The problem is I have weird, you know what, what drives my sleeping schedule is food. And if mm -hmm. I eat later, mm -hmm. I then have to stay up because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go to bed with a full stomach. It, uh, right. you know, I just don't sleep well. Um, so my problem is like, I'll, I'll sometimes end up eating at like, eight o'clock or something like that. And then I'm up until 11 or 12 because I, I want my food to digest. So, uh, his name is Joshy. Is that right? Josh? Yeah, Joshua. Yeah. We call him Joshy Joshua. for short or Joshy baby yeah. or Josh. Yeah. And he's your, he's your first child, Yes, right? he's, yes. He's our first and our only. Oh, I love that name, Joshua. It's such a good, it's such Isn't a good, it? um, when I picked my son's name, Charles, he goes by Charlie. Mm. It, similar to Joshua, I feel like that's got so much flexibility. Like you could picture a CEO. That's Joshua, right. Or you could picture a three-year-old Joshua. You know what I mean? That's it's right. Not, not exactly. That's yeah. right. And I also, what I love about the name too is that not only is it like it's not too strong, but it's it's also a name that um What's the word that it kind of surpasses time that it's like timeless. Yeah. It's timeless. timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Timeless. <laughs> um, and also no matter what he decides to do, like if he decides to become like uh, a neurosurgeon or something, or if he wanted to become uh -huh. like a really cool soccer player, that name would still be pretty cool no matter what. So and what's his middle name? Ross, actually. So Joshua Ross Hamilton? That's right. That's a strong name. I like that <laughs> name a lot. Yes, yes. And funny story, his middle name is actually my maiden name. Oh, I love it. Yeah, okay. um, because I'm the only child between my, my mom and my dad. And they only had, well, I was a twin, but... I am oh. obviously a girl, so I, I couldn't carry on my my dad's last name. And I love my maiden name so much that I yeah. when I got married, I got rid of my middle name, made that my middle name, and gave my son that name as his middle name. I love it. Uh, so is Joshua a family name, or are you just like the name Joshua? Actually, he's just Joshua. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so you're a twin. You have a yes. twin brother. I had a twin brother and not to totally dampen the mood of this fabulous oh. podcast, <laughs> but, oh. but my twin brother actually passed away at birth. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry to that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, hmm. um, it's interesting. It's, it's weird, actually. In my family, I was born a twin. My oldest sister was also born a twin, but her twin also pass at birth so my mom oh my. wasn't very lucky with her twins oh, um, wow. <laughs> and then my middle sister she was not born a twin but she had fraternal twins <laughs> and they're alive and well hopefully and, yeah 
<laughs> yes, they are both. They are both alive and well. They're they're Thank both um, fifteen years old now. <laughs> yeah. So twins. Wow. Yeah. The races pump out twins. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. Too bad Josh isn't a twin. I know. It's it's funny. We were actually we were like. Maybe we'll get lucky and you'll have a twin. Although you were a twin and so far your oldest sister, who was also a twin, she hasn't had twins. So maybe it won't happen for you, but we were actually hoping for that. So back to, you mentioned you're from Miami originally, born and raised. Yes, sir. Born and raised. How did your parents end up in my, I feel like, I guess maybe I just have a wrong perception of Miami because I go to Miami to vacation. You know what I mean? Like, how does one end up in Miami? Yeah, no, I totally understand. So, um, so my family is actually from Jamaica. So my, both my parents were born and raised in Jamaica. Yes. And, um, they both immigrated to Miami. And I think that's pretty, a lot of Jamaicans, when, when they immigrate to the States, they tend to go to either Florida, New York. Yeah. Those are really the top two places. Florida or New York is really, or even, um, actually also Maryland. Maryland has a very, very high population. Yes. There, there's a really high population of Jamaicans and, uh, Afro-Caribbean people in, in Maryland, which is really cool. I actually have family on my dad's side in Maryland. But anyway, my um, parents immigrated to Jamaica and I was actually the only one in my family born in the States. So my brothers and sisters were wow. all born and raised there for the most part. And um, I they they had heard a lot about Miami and there was already a community of Jamaicans in Miami. So they decided that's where they were gonna move to. And that's how it became my hometown. That's so interesting. I'm sure people don't see you and think you're a first generation immigrant. I know people do not. Actually, you know what's so funny, Carlos? What I do get a lot is you have an interesting accent, which I didn't think I had an accent. Yeah, I don't hear one at all. Exactly. I'm like, I don't have an accent. Um, and I noticed the people who have said that to me are when I went off to um, undergrad in in Florida, um, people who like were from different parts of the states, they had said, okay, are you from like the Northeast? Are you from like the Midwest? Where are you from? I'm like, no, I'm from Florida. I'm from Miami. And they were flabbergasted. They couldn't understand. Wait. I've met people from Miami. You're not from Miami. I'm like, what, the, what is that supposed to mean? What? 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 That's um, funny. But yeah, and it's funny because if you were to come to my parents' home or like, like see me in my element with my family, um, it's so different. Like my family don't sound like me at all. Obviously. I was going to ask, do they sound like heavy Jamaican accent? <laughs> my mom has a very strong Jamaican accent. Um, my dad has passed away, but he also had a very strong Jamaican accent. My sisters, interestingly enough, um, my both my brothers, they also do have very strong accents, even though they came here when they were 17 and 14, respectively. Um, but their accent is like super thick. My sisters, they came here when they were younger and they don't have a lick of an accent at all. Like 
they sound like they were not born <laughs> born in Jamaica. They sound like they were born here. So the girls didn't catch on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The girls were like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to fit in with the crowd here. So <laughs> I'm dropping my accent real fast. Um, but yeah, my brothers, they still have theirs. Do you still go to Jamaica? Do you guys still travel there? Do you have family there? Oh my there? gosh, yes, yes and yes. Um, I actually just went to Jamaica um, last last year in October for my celebration birthday. Your first uh, post-COVID trip? I'm a bit guilty to admit that was not my first COVID trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, it was not my first COVID trip. Um it was but it was Joshua's first time going to Jamaica. So that was really fun. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Wasn't uh Jamaica a British colony? It was, but interesting fact, it was not originally. Originally it was actually a Spanish colony. Oh, interesting. so there to this day, there are cities and ports um, and even um, a couple of schools that are uh, actually Spanish. Um, and the Spanish speaking. So the dialect, the Jamaican Patois does have some words in Spanish, but because most of the dialect is is mostly English. A lot of the words that could um, that would be in Spanish are actually there's. It's so butchered that I mean you can't even really say it's Spanish, you know. Right. Um, it's, like and, a, it's its own dialect. Yeah, it's like its own dialect. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool to see kind of the fusion of some Spanish English. Um, and just like the local Afrikaans language be fused into some kind of patois. So that's, it's really cool. Did you know that James Bond was uh, originated or born in Jamaica, so to speak? What? Ian Which Fleming? James Bond? Well, Ian Fleming, the author of James Bond, uh, oh. lived in Jamaica and loved the island. And that's where he wrote the books, the James Bond books. I did not know that my mom would be embarrassed because she probably knows this she probably knows (laughs) i'm sure a lot of jamaicans know that i would think i mean i don't know maybe it's not that common but i just i always loved the bond movies and and ian fleming the the guy who wrote it always wanted to be that kind of like suave spy you know oh my goodness and he lived in Jamaica and, and he was from London, I think, or oh, England, right. somewhere in England. Right. He moved to Jamaica and wrote the wrote the books there. So Oh, that's so fascinating. I'm gonna have to definitely look into that um Fun afterwards. Fact. I'll have to learn more. You grew up in Miami, you're from mm-hmm. Florida. You went you're a gator. Yeah. You University of Florida. A gators. All right. You're very accomplished education wise. So let's get into that. You, I mean, honestly, there's no other way to describe your qualifications as other than just impressive. So you got your uh, uh, bachelor's at Florida Health Education, Public Health, then went to FIU, Florida International, to get your MPH and, and biostatistics. We'll have to nerd out on that in a second. <laughs> And now you're at Northern Illinois, I assume virtually, getting your doctorate in philosophy? 
Yeah, I'm getting my PhD in health in health sciences. Um, and and it's not virtual actually. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid program. So it's it's. So you have to go to Illinois from time to time. I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Um, Which I don't know how relevant this is, but the the reason why one of the reasons why I decided to go to NIU for the for my PhD is because, of course, I love working for Mary Center and Mm -hmm. I did not want to have to choose between continuing to work for Mary Center or pull out and become a full-time PhD student. And so a lot of the universities here locally in the DMV area, their PhD program was like full-time on campus all the way, and I wouldn't be able to continue working. So NIU's hybrid program allowed me allows me to actually attend the lectures virtually. So the lectures are still live um, and they're actually on campus. But they're synchronous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Synchronous. That's right. Um, but every semester I still have to go to Illinois for what they call their um their their symposium sessions where you have to mm-hmm. your seminar sessions when you have to go and you have to take like competency exams and you still have to go there to present and and do some additional activities towards your PhD. And that happens twice a semester. So um, definitely a lot, some commuting back and forth from here to Illinois. Is that near Chicago? It is. It is. It's in DeKalb, Illinois. So that's the greater Chicagoland area. Yes. Cool. So, all right. Well, I've always, I'm always curious what drives, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a commitment. I mean, most people kind of just, I don't know if settles the right word, but are fine and successful and do great with four-year bachelors and yeah. be done with it, right? Yeah. So what's, what's, what would you say is driving your quest and thirst for knowledge and continuing to, to uh, you know, continue to learn, continue to be uh, acquiring uh, ac- or acronyms after your name. So believe it or not, when I was an undergrad, I was actually pre-med. I wanted to be an obstetrician. I do. I very much believe that. Yes. I was pre-med and I wanted to become an obstetrician gynecologist. I actually told Dr. Elliot this and he was like, what? <laughs> you want to be an LB? Um, That's awesome. And actually it didn't happen because my dad fell ill. He was diagnosed with liver cancer and I was in Gainesville and my dad was obviously back in Miami. And so of course I decided, you know, to finish up undergrad and graduate, but I was like, at first, let me just take a year off then. I won't try to apply to med school right now because I knew when Mm. he was diagnosed I was still, I think like a junior in undergrad. So I knew when I graduated, I wanted to just go right home and and spend time with family. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't want to do anything during that time. So I decided to go to graduate school and get my MPH while I was in Miami, hence why I was at FIU. FIU, Um, And so I got my MPH and it was during that time that I was like, my goodness, I actually really like public health. This mm-hmm. is really, really cool. And it's nice that you get to um, kind of help inform some of the work that will 
hopefully prevent people from being hospitalized. Right. Hope to, you know, help raise education and awareness to to patients in the community, how to take care of themselves. And and because I was always like a data geek um, Mm -hmm. from undergrad, I wanted to specialize in biostats, um, how I can use data to help evaluate programs. So that's how I learned. So yeah, is that what that means? For for those of us not as qualified as you, biostats <laughs> means Oh my data. gosh. Well, so technically biostatistics is essentially the, it's you applying statistics to a, a public health problem and being uh-huh. able to use that framework to predict certain outcomes. Um, so okay. you'd be able to you know, now for Mary Center. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So. So you hard pivoted. Yeah. I mean, you were up until so you graduated thinking I'll go to med school eventually. So yes. you didn't pivot until until um, your med graduate school. studies. That's right. OK, that's right. And so I so I started doing some of that work. I was working as at some point as a data analyst, at some point as a program evaluator and started like doing a lot of that type of work and realized like, man, I really like this stuff. And I had the opportunity. There was a time when um, actually after my dad had passed, I had reconsidered med school. And at that Mm -hmm. point, I was like, well, now let's I'll just continue doing this. And but I knew that I wanted I always wanted more. Like I just felt like I wanted to be able to um, then be in a role where I'd be able to kind of take my biostatistics background to another level of being able to assess clinical uh, workflows or um, to propose things that could be researched. And so that always Mm. was in the back of my mind that I'd love to maybe one day, if I don't go back to, if I don't apply to med school, maybe I'll consider a PhD. Um, Mm. And so it was always something that I thought about. And then I got married, had a kid, (laughs) and it was still something I wanted to do. And a lot of the work that I, in my experience over this time, I thought, my goodness, if I had been a researcher, I would be able to better um, investigate why this issue is happening the way that it is and be able to provide objectively the results of those findings to maybe help build upon that and um, come up with ideas to make services better for people. So I decided, Mm. okay, well, I'm going to apply to get my doctorate's degree now. Why not? My son is still young. Um, And also... Mary Center would be a really fantastic place to be able to apply that knowledge right away uh, since we do such incredible work now already with research, with partnerships Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's how I kind of landed on the decision. That's a lot of work, though. I I have some friends in the HR space that that um, have gotten their PhDs in like industrial psychology or Mm -hmm. or industrial organizational Mm -hmm. design. And it's just, it is, I mean, yeah, it, that's a lot of work. So kudos to you and yeah. juggling, juggling the, the busy life that you have at work, the, the toddler at home. Thank you, Carlos. <laughs> a lot of work. So you, as you kind of alluded to, 
worked in and data and research throughout your career, but there was something that stuck out to me. You had your own company. Oh, snap. Oh, you're bringing RTE up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, talk talk about that. Oh my gosh, you're about to make me cry, Carlos. Yes, resources to empower. Um, so you I, started your own company, and what was it? What did resources to empower do? What are they still around? Yeah, like, what's the so deal with actually, that? so no, it was something that we did have to dissolve it. It was a nonprofit that I did oh. establish, and I established it because while I was in Miami, um. I was part of some of our local planning groups um, with the city of Miami that were noticing that a lot of our, specifically our our Black and African-American Dade County residents, um, we were trying to figure out how we can help better support them with economic mobility, trying to Mm. create um, new jobs, trying to equip them with job readiness. Um, And one of those areas, one of the things that I did at that time is that I completed a needs assessment and found out that a lot of our residents in that area um, were not job ready because they didn't have a high school diploma. They didn't have a GED. Um, Some of them actually had a third grade or second grade reading level. And there weren't enough resources in Miami to support, to address that need. And Mm. so I decided I wanted to address that need. I wanted to support the community in that area. So I established resources to empower. And um, it was a really, really incredible experience because we were in existence for about six years and we had support from the city of Miami. Um, We partnered with a lot of local organizations there and we were able to make an impact to over 200 Dade County residents where we were able to have um i think it was about 85 percent of our of our enrollees of our program of our adult education program they were able to successfully obtain their ged um and we had created like this pipeline program with the city of miami where folks who completed their ged with us that they were able to um enter at the time i think they called it um job force and it was kind of like this this um, this firm that would help locate jobs, whether they're vocational positions or temp positions. And so if you went through my program, um, you would be pipeline to that resource center and they would help you find a job. And so wow. it was a really an amazing and an effective program um, that worked really well. And I had to dissolve. The reason why I, I mentioned that it brings a tear to my eyes because I loved it so much, but it we had to dissolve because I got married and relocated to a different state, to, to, to yeah. Illinois, to Chicago. And you didn't have somebody that could keep it running? So at the time... Um, we were we were we were mighty, but we were still very small. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have a huge grant that would be able to sustain the work without me being there. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. no, there was no one there to to keep the the work going. No. Um, that's that's good work, though. I mean, that's important work, right? Supporting our our communities of color that often just get 
lumped into one statistic, you know, yeah, dropouts or whatever the case may be, and don't really address, don't don't really provide solutions. They just mm. provide judgment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I was particularly sad about it because I thought, man, you know, we were just kind of getting started and we were making some impact. And um, it was really great to kind of see um, the level of engagement too, like, especially in the black neighborhoods, like people Mm -hmm. had become familiar with us and they were just really excited about, man, like you helped my cousin, you know, get a job. And like, now, like my sister has her her GED, you know, and I think it really could have taken off quite a bit. Um, yeah, life happened. And it's kind of yeah. sad because I wish there would have been um, something in place to replace RTE. Uh, so that way there wasn't like a dis continuation of so they have since um city of miami which is nice because i remain in touch with folks down there they did share mm-hmm. that they um they have looked into partnering with some of the local public high schools to see if they can expand their after hours adult education programs um and so that's been something that they've been working through and working on Sounds like Mary Center needs to open in Miami office that focuses on workforce <laughs> development. Right? Yes. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm saying. just saying. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So segue to Chicago. He moved to Chicago. Uh, you got married and moved to Chicago because that's where... Why, why, why Chicago? Why Chicago? Moved to Chicago because my partner got accepted into business school in Chicago. And Aww. that was the next uh, career, career move for him. So we moved out to Evanston, Illinois. He was attending uh, Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So you, so you do consider yourself, I mean, I know you're Miami born and raised, but you have a tie and affinity obviously for the chicagoland area i do which is so strange because i actually wasn't there for that long i think we were there since 20, 2015 um and then we relocated to the dc area in 2020 so i guess five years is i guess that's yeah. well you know what it is i think it's the midwest people are just so nice <laughs> It's true. I would have to agree. I feel like definitely compared to Miami, for sure, people, (laughs) for sure, people were just a lot more humble, a lot nicer. I mean, everyone was just so friendly. It was it was very different. It definitely took a bit of a getting used to because in Miami, if you, you know, if you smile at someone, a stranger on the street, they'll probably be like, why are you smiling at me? Like, what's what's going on? Like, what's wrong with my face? Like, is there something on my face? Something you know, it's it's such a different cultural experience. So um, I had to get used to it. This is going to sound weird, but um, there was a point of time when I was living in a suburb of, of uh, Chicago and people who I've never seen before would be walking around and they'll look at me and just say, hi, how are you? And I would literally Mm -hmm. look behind me because I could have sworn they were talking to like a friend behind me or something. Um, But no, it's true. Midwest hospitality is true. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there for five years and then what brought you out to DC? 
Mary Center. Um, really? <laughs> so there is a there is there is a backstory behind that, but long story wow. short, yes. So what happened is that my my partner, he um obviously had been working in Chicago for some time and there was going to be a possibility of his role being uh, transitioned to DC. Um, and also like a promotion that was going to be that the role was going to live in DC. So um, I was like looking for jobs and he was like, yeah, like you should apply because this is going to happen. And funny enough, did not happen for him. Yeah, it happened say, for it me. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was crazy. Oh. Like I landed a position and the the role at his job like they end up like changing it entirely so he just kind of took on a different a different role at an entirely different company in the in uh dc well actually in mclean virginia so yeah okay yeah cool so you came to mary center what made you apply at mary center I, i mean obviously it sounds like there's a lot of um uh, similarities between what you studied, what you did in your past, and and what the on paper what the director of quality and outcomes uh, job is. And I say on paper because I know it's always evolving and has evolved even since you've been here. Right. So is it just was it just it looked like a good fit and that's why you applied, or was it was there more to that? So okay, this is also this is also weird and funny. Um, my so obviously my partner was helping to um helping me look for positions to apply to since he was the reason mm-hmm. we were really moving to DC. And he was the one who actually came across Mary Center. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this dude saw the position and didn't even tell me about it. He just applied, he submitted my application. He applied on behalf? Yes. Like, oh my God. And I don't know if, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but he submitted my CV for the position. And I did not know until he had said to me, like, oh, by the way, um, I saw a position that I thought would be like really cool. Like it's, it's related to what it's, you're doing. You're doing exactly this right now in Chicago. So, and I'm like, well, what is it? And he said, oh, it's a place called Mary Center. I'm like, I've never heard of a Mary Center. Can you send me the link, please? Like, what did you do? What did you do? And I looked at the position. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. This is fun. This is right up my alley. And um, of course, looked at the organization because I had never heard of it. But I was in Chicago. So, of Mm. course, I hadn't heard of Mary Center. Right now, right, right. Yeah. And so I looked up the organization and was really impressed with all of the services that were being provided and was like, oh, my gosh. I love this. Like, this is such a mission-oriented organization, and it's looking to do the work that I'm already doing, and I think I could contribute and and help advance the mission of the organization. So I'm happy you applied. Good job, honey. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have we have him to thank for for your application. Yeah, but it is, it's interesting how, yeah. as you were describing your educational background, it's so interesting. I was like, I was like, my God, this position was made for you. Yeah. Like honestly, it it really, yeah, it really was. It it really was a perfect. It was a perfect fit, and of course, yeah. Um, when I got the chance to interview with Dara, I mean, we clicked right away, and it it was it was really a perfect 
I, I knew right away that like, yes, Mary Center is definitely where I would want to be. Um, and, wow. and interestingly enough, at the time when I was interviewing with Dara, I was also interviewing with um, hospital in D.C. for a similar role. And I just did not get the same energy, you know, the same vibe. And um, I knew, I, I remember telling Dara, I don't know if she'll remember this, but I remember telling her, um, Dara, you got to make this happen. Like, this is why, I, you know, <laughs> you got to make this happen. Like, I am made for Mary Center and Mary Center made for me. <laughs> it's well, I think we all agree now. We all agree now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So she was cracking up and um, it was, it was great. Well, so I'm happy to be here. And the role continues to evolve, right? Because now you're taking on this research yes. Institute yes. and you, re- you were recently promoted to vice president. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Very, very well deserved. So what's the research institute and how's, how's that going to fit into what we're doing overall? Oh my gosh. So really fortunate to be part of the Research Institute work. So we're hoping in partnership with Bria that we'll be able to continue to evaluate our social change model and bring the its effectiveness to the masses in the country, around the world, to show that there really is evidence and research multiple research studies, not just not just the study that we've done with Urban Institute and NIH, but wanting to be um, our own principal investigators to independently show and objectively show that the social change model is effective in bringing about improved health outcomes and also economic mobility for our participants um, and our students at BRIA. And so the Research Institute, it's going to expand upon what Mary Center already does so well It's just going to offer a rigorous study behind what we do. So that way other health centers, hospitals, health systems, organizations around the world can say that, yes, we have research, a lot of research backing that what Mary Center does is effective and they have evidence to prove it. That's so cool. And it seems like a great next progression in in the life cycle of Mary Center as an organization. I know we did a study with the Urban Institute a few years yeah. ago and and really validated a lot of our work. Yes. Th- it seemed like there was, it, if anything, it dug up, there was just more we could do yes. with that data. Yes. So, and then you're also doing the community, you started the Community Engagement Council, right? Tell us a little bit about that and how that's going. Yeah, so the Community Engagement Council is a council, it's it's a group of patients or students of BRIA, mm-hmm. or as we like mm-hmm. to call them, participants, um, mm-hmm. and it's run by participants. So staff like myself and Brittany Scipio-Adams, who's our QI analyst who supports the group, we really attend that meeting and we take a back seat um, and really act mm-hmm. as just um, supporters and advisors to their quality improvement work. So the Community Engagement Council was created because we at Mary Center, Maria Gomez and I, we we talked a lot about wanting to make sure that we are using the participant voice to drive how we're making improvements in our services and the way that mm. our participants experience care. And so right. um, we wanted to create a group of people from diverse backgrounds who receive services at Mary Center and at Bria. And this group, they meet on a monthly basis, uh, usually from 6 to 8 p.m. in the evening, every third 
fourth Wednesday, I believe. And we have really cool presentations from staff. Staff have come to the CEC meetings and they present on what cool things they're working on. And they ask the CEC for their feedback on, you know, what's the community's perspective on this? What are some things that we can change What are some things we can improve upon? Uh, What do you think of this new protocol we're wanting to roll out? So really, truly um, continuing to build upon our participant-centered model and belief that we want to use their feedback to expand our services and improve care. And and they're pretty engaged and and you're getting good turnouts? Oh, yeah. So we decided to cap um, the CEC membership seat to 20 and we have 14 members right now. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, again, it's it's putting putting to practice everything that we've been preaching over the years and that with the Research Institute. I think it's just going to continue to drive uh, what we do at the organization and all the work that you do with the board for the strategic plan and the dashboard and all that stuff, along with Sarah McIntosh. Mm-hmm. It's all, we've got, we've got you at the right place, Elizabeth. This place oh, was made for you. Thank you, Carlos. Yeah, I do feel that. I really enjoyed working yeah. at Mary Center. Why don't we um, go ahead and go to the closing questions for the podcast? I'm sure you remember from the previous ones that I closed with the same 10 questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just whatever comes to mind first, okay? Yes. All right. So what's your favorite word? My favorite word. Immediately what comes to mind is OMG, but that's not even a word. We'll take it. These days, millennials, sure. OMG. <laughs> <laughs> that is so terrible. You wouldn't even expect right. that to come from someone like me, but I've been. No, that's a good. That's good. OMG. Got it. What was the last concert you attended? Last concert I attended. I haven't been to a concert in a very, very long. I would have to say over 10 years ago. Really? Yeah, I know. You're not a live music person. Like live music, I like. I'm more of a music festival person. Okay, so kind of similar, right? Same thing. That counts. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, I would say. So, what was the last music festival you went to? Oh, the last one I went to was a Jamaican music festival, and it was in Miami. It was called Best of the Best. Actually, no, I lied. I'm sorry. It's not Best of the Best. It was the Nine Mile Reggae Festival. I was I was just going to ask. You said Jamaican music. Jamaican music is reggae, right? That's right. That's, okay, so you love reggae. I do like reggae and dancehall. Yep. Which actor would you want to play you in a movie? Ooh. Um. Not that I look anything like her, but a girl could dream. I would probably. <laughs> I would probably say. I'd probably say Nia Long. Or Sanaya Lathan. Sanaya oh. Lathan. Sanaya Lathan. I would say. Who's Sanaya Lathan? I don't think Sanaya I know Lathan. Um, have you ever watched Love and Basketball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's, yeah, she's the female lead in that movie. Okay. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. Oh, it, I would have to go with one of my Jamaican dishes. Um, that you make yourself? I can make this myself, actually. Um, not to gross you out, but I would have to say oxtail with rice and peas. Okay. What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? 
At this age, medicine comes to mind, but I think I'm too old for that. Um, Does it matter? Let's not put any boundaries. What would you like most to attempt? You want to go back and be an OB? <laughs> I would probably go back and be an OB. Okay, well, what job would you be terrible at? Ooh. Um, what job would I be terrible at? I don't like to cook so much that I'm willing to just cook for a lot of people all the time. So I mm -hmm. would not want to be a chef. Well, to go with the travel theme, if you could go anywhere tonight, if you could hop on a plane right now and go anywhere, where would you go? Ghana. Ghana. Have you ever been? No, I've been to South Africa, but never to what? Never to West Africa. So that's actually another place that Ooh. I would like to visit very soon. What sound or noise do you love? Mm, I love the sound of rain. Mm, same. <laughs> All right, well, what sound or noise do you hate? Nails scratching on a board. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm shuddering just thinking yeah, about that. that's terrible. <laughs> totally agree. Where is your happy place? <sighs> my happy place, I would have to say my happy place can be found in my family room couch on a Saturday in the very early morning before everyone wakes up. Yes. You're speaking my language, <laughs> Dr. Hamilton. Yes. Introverts unite. There's a lot of us. <laughs> All right. Well, you're off the hook. You're done. Whoa. Thank you so much for joining me, Elizabeth. It's been great to work with you over the last few years and really great to see your growth at Mary Center. And I'm really excited to see where you take us. Thank you, Carlos.